On this episode of Recruiting Hell, we visit a concept that I invented over 20 years ago that has modern implications for your job hunt. And after the show, be sure to head over to recruiting-hell.com where you'll find great things like show notes and, of course, our new free weekly newsletter, Recruiting Hell Overtime. Now, on the other side of the coin, be sure to watch for the people out there who do the copy and paste posts about tugging on heartstrings, you know, how they took that chance on someone or hired the candidate that cried. If you could end their post with, and then everybody clapped, this is the kind of poster I'm talking about. These people are not worth following because it's all reposted, recycled garbage. It's probably not even true. And it does nothing for your networking or your career. Hello and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm glad you're here with us today. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Today's episode is a solo one, but that's only because it's a concept that I came up with a number of years ago and nobody else really knows about it. <laughs> Honestly, I hadn't given this concept that much of a thought until the movie that it references from was mentioned in a conversation I had a few weeks ago. Now, we've talked about networking before and, and reaching out to others that we know during our job hunt, and that's something that we have to both get comfortable at and also good at. But some folks might be asking themselves right now, Rob, I've got a bunch of connections, but I, I don't know who I should focus on or talk to when it comes to networking. That's okay. It really is. That is okay. Because today we're going to cover that as we go into depth on finding what we're going to call your Magnificent Seven. But before we do, we have quick extras rundown. Number one, Outside of this show, there is so much more that you can get from Recruiting Hell with our new free newsletter at recruiting-hell.com. Again, it's called Recruiting Hell Overtime. Jump on over to the show website, fill out that little subscribe form, and we're going to drop you a quick email every Wednesday. It comes out about 2 o'clock, and it has a ton of articles in it. It's got tips and tricks that are all there and designed to help you get hired. Number two, a quick shout out to our generous, generous Patreon patrons. Thank you so much, all of you, for helping to support the show and support the effort to get the world back to work. Number three, be sure to rate this show. Thumbs up, ring the bell, five stars, whatever it might be. It helps us so much here at Recruiting Hell. Literally a quick click on that five-star space, if you love this show, can help other people find this thing as a resource to help them get back to work. So thanks in advance. Links, of course, to the show description for you to check out in that show notes portion. And as always, we start this show and we remind ourselves as to why we're here. So remember, if you're listening to this show, you're here for one of two reasons. You either want to get a new or a better job. And today's job market is so tough. You're in that awful situation that I call recruiting hell, where the good jobs are few and far between and the scams, the underpayment and the ridiculous requirements for entry-level jobs abound. The show is about teaching you to avoid the pitfalls of the modern job hunt and of course, to help build you as a person to bring your interview and job hunting game to the next level. The show is here to give you the motivation and the discipline to help you keep going in your search so you can get out of recruiting hell. Now, whether you're on your 200th application, 50th rejection email, or your second recruiter ghosting you this week, 
You're welcome at this table to learn new skills to help you win your job hunt. All right. On to today's topic. Your Magnificent Seven. Hmm. Now, when I was about 14 years old, I wrote a paper for school. The assignment was to write about the most important person or people in your life. And I was fortunate at that age to have a number of really, really excellent role models in both my family and very close to it. You know, very good friends, very good other people who were very just in it, in it for me. It was great. They were so good to me. So I wrote a paper which was inspired by a movie that I'd recently watched with my mom. And that's called The Magnificent Seven. And if you've never heard of that, we'll explain that in a little bit. But I picked basically the seven greatest men in my life that 14-year-old me knew. And I wrote a, a blurb, of, you know, it's a paragraph, or a big paragraph or two about each of them and why I looked up to them and how they impacted my life. Now, I'm not telling you this because I want to be lauded as some 14-year-old genius. I wasn't. I'm telling you this because the application of sharing this with the men that I respected was the real secret. My goal as 14-year-old Rob wasn't to build relationships or anything like that. It was to get an assignment done. But my mom took this paper, and after she shared this with the men who I wrote about, it actually deepened the relationships with them and gave rise to this actual episode of the podcast some 20 years later, which is really strange. But hey, life works that way sometimes. So let's start with the beginning as to why is this episode named after a Western movie and what, what is the connection to job hunting? So first, the source is the obvious part. The inspiration for the concept of the Magnificent Seven came from my mom, who, when she was a kid, just loved Western movies. She'd watch them all the time. One of her favorites, though, was called The Magnificent Seven. And it starred Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen, Charlie Bronson, and a whole bunch of these other 1960s, you know, hyper-masculine, manly actors. The film itself is based on the Seven Samurai from Japanese film director Akira Kurosawa. And The Magnificent Seven, the American version, I should say, tells the story of a small Mexican town that's beset by a gang of outlaws. And they hire a man named Chris to defend their town. Chris is a renowned gunfighter. But unfortunately, Chris is just one guy and he can't do it alone. So he has to find and hire extra help in the form of six other highly skilled gunfighters. Hence, the Magnificent Seven are created. And of course, the movie climaxes in the defense of the little town. So we've got the source. That's the easy part. That's out of the way. The second and harder part is what does this have to do with networking? This is the part that's tougher to see at first, but makes a whole lot of sense once it's explained. So we all have networks. And much like Chris going out into the Wild West and rounding up the best gunfighters for his task of defending the town, job seekers can do the same thing by looking at their networks and identifying the people that they're already connected to or are closely linked to but haven't met yet that can help their job hunt. The concept of finding your Magnificent Seven starts from looking at your own network and beginning to find the people who can do the most for your job search. If you've ever heard of the Pareto Principle, named after Italian economist Vilfredo Pareto, or in more common terms, the 80-20 rule, if you're already familiar with the 80-20 rule, this next part's really going to make sense. But if not, let's tell you what the 80-20 rule is. So in a nutshell, the 80-20 rule is based around the following statement. A minority of causes, inputs, and efforts usually lead to a majority of the results 
outputs or rewards. Now, this is often best illustrated in companies that make multiple product lines and have a product that you really know them for, or maybe it's a hit product or something like that. So if we think of this in real life, think of a laundry detergent company like Tide. They make a bunch of products. They make that little stick that my wife carries in her purse when I spill spaghetti sauce on myself at the restaurant. They make dryer sheets. They make fabric softener. They make the little high-end efficiency detergent in the pods and everything like that. But at the end of the day, when you go to the laundry aisle and think, I need to buy Tide, you're looking for an orange container about this big that's full of a couple gallons of blue goo. Tide makes most of its money off of one simple product. It's blue goo in orange containers. And that's what the 80-20 principle is at its core. It's the fact that the blue goo probably makes up about 80% of their revenue. And all the other little products that I mentioned before make up only 20%. And the 80% tends to pay the bills for the company. So the same thing goes with your job hunt and with networking. There are a number of people, small number of people, as a matter of fact, in your network who are going to be kind of classified as high yield for your job search. And the goal is to assemble them all into a list connect and contact with them and get them to work for your job search without, without imposing on them, asking too much or being irritating. Now those last few bits are a big challenge and both humility and timing are going to become very important sets of skills to develop for this list. Okay. So first things first, how do you identify the people that are going to make up your magnificent seven? Who, who are they? We can classify our connections with the platform like LinkedIn by considering three factors that follow an acronym of ARC, A-R-C, ARC. The first is adjacency, or how close are these people to you and how well do you know them? The second is reach. How well are they connected to other people on LinkedIn or at whatever platform you're on? And third is the C, the consistency. How active are they? on the chosen networking platform or the event or wherever they're at. So ARC, ARC, adjacency, reach, and consistency. So let's use LinkedIn. It's the biggest, it's the best example of this. And this method could be applied at a trade show. It could be applied at a conference or another networking event that's not electronic, but we'll stick with LinkedIn for today. The first step to finding your Magnificent Seven, as we said, is A, adjacency. Who are the people closest to you that line up with your career direction right now. You might have to answer what is your desired career direction to find out who those people are at first. Examine your connections for people with jobs in industries or close to industries that you have experience in or are interested in as your first step. Who could make you an introduction to the right people in HR for that industry because they're already playing a part of it already. Now, keep in mind, you're just looking right now. You're just looking at these people and you're listing them out from your LinkedIn connections list. And you may have connections that are at key positions in industries that you want to be a part of. You're connected, but you, they have no clue who the heck you are, either because the connection was made without context at an earlier time, or they sent you the request themselves. Your connection might be the HR director at ABC company where you really want to work. But unless they have a clue as to who you are, you're just some other schmuck on social media. The point is here is that we need to build familiarity if it doesn't already exist. Colleagues and bosses from your past are a really great starting point for this. They know you. And if you've done a good job at being a 
quality coworker, a, a non-crappy person, <laughs> they'll likely have a pretty good opinion of you. However, if you need to build that relationship, thankfully, things like LinkedIn allow you to really easily start to comment on their profile and the things that interest them to spark some of that recognition, spark some of that conversation. Adjacency is number one to forming your Magnificent Seven. How close is this person to you right now? How familiar are they to you? And are you to them? Now, the second part of forming this small group is reach the R. How big is their network? Do they have 12 connections? Do they have 1,200 connections? This is generally kind of a numbers game, and this kind of makes it the easiest step. But do keep in mind, a smaller quality set of connections always, always outweighs a larger quantity of connections, no matter what. Now, this part is pretty cut and dry. It's great. Because the final part is a bit more challenging, and that's consistency. How frequently is this person networking themselves with other people on LinkedIn or via another method? And are these folks actually active on the platform that you're sharing with them? Or did they build their network on LinkedIn and just move on to something else? Or maybe they just don't participate in it anymore. Maybe they got bored or sick of it. This can be challenging to gauge. Because while you can follow and get notifications for each person you're looking to be better connected to, they can sometimes just get lost in the inbox. They're buried under, under articles from LinkedIn. They're buried under articles from other people who are maybe more engaged with the platform, but don't actually fit the criteria of a Magnificent Seven. Also, be aware of the quality of what they're posting. This is still on the C portion here. I have a very talented businessman that I'm connected with. And I swear to God, and I literally, before I recorded this episode, 37 minutes ago, he did this exact thing. The only thing I ever see him post about is the new machine model that his company built this month and how you should contact him if you want to buy one. The posts are well done. They're professional looking. They've got great art. They've got great photography, but they don't dive any deeper beyond this is our new product. And if you're in this industry, you should buy one. Now, on the other side of the coin, be sure to watch for the people out there who do the copy and paste posts about tugging on heartstrings, you know, how they took that chance on someone or hired the candidate that cried. If you could end their post with, and then everybody clapped, this is the kind of poster I'm talking about. These people are not worth following because it's all reposted, recycled garbage. That's probably not even true. And it does nothing for your networking or your career. So that closes up C. How are they on the platform with their continuity, if you will? Now, back to the Magnificent Seven. So when you are looking at a member of the Magnificent Seven, ideally, there's someone that you would know personally, either someone very close or maybe fairly distant, but you might, you would still know them. There's someone who, if they introduced themselves to you and said, hi, I'm Bill Johnson, you'd say, I've heard of you or, oh, so you're Bill. In a perfect world, I'd give you numbers to shoot for, for followers, connections, and the number of posts in a week. Suffice to say, if you're looking at someone that you're reasonably familiar with, who has more than 500 connections on LinkedIn, because for some reason LinkedIn said, hey, 500 is the limit. We're going to put a plus for anything over 500. Okay. And if they post regularly interesting content, that's more than just a handful of, that gets that more than handful of reactions or comments, you've likely find, found a member of your network's Magnificent Seven. So put this person on a list. And repeat the process until you filled out seven slots. Here's part two. You have a list of people 
that can potentially help you get a job. Number one, don't discount the rest of your network. We're going to get to them later. Number two, how are you going to start conversations that don't take advantage of them? Now listen close because this is the real challenge. Human beings are designed to help other human beings. And being vulnerable and authentic with your network is really important. This step takes some humbling. And it takes a lot of what I call lowercase c courage to pull off. Lowercase c courage is everyday courage, whereas uppercase c courage is, you know, diving on a grenade kind of courage. They're, they're different. They really are. So you need to create a post and be professional, but also very open, vulnerable, and authentic. If we look at April 2020, an unprecedented number of people lost their employment worldwide. The global economy is likely going to contract by about 5% this year, according to the International Monetary Fund. That's insane. And after this all kind of the dust settled, we saw the little green, green rings that said open to work on LinkedIn profiles. But the folks who took the time to post to their network took the extra step to bring their work search to the attention of the social media circle that they're in as a whole. And this can be really hard. This can be really hard, and honestly, it can be really embarrassing. Do it anyway. Stay professional. Stay focused on finding new opportunities. And most importantly, ask your network for help. And tell them that in the post, including a line in your post that flat out says, I am asking for your help to get back to work, is crucial. People need to be told what to do. And when you tell them how they can actually help you, it gives them the ability to take action on your behalf. Now, you've just finished addressing your whole network with the fact that you're in need of work. It's time to go get to your Magnificent Seven and asking them to help in a very personal and a very humble way. Now, before I started Recruiting Hell, of course, we're 23 episodes in here, and the uh, parent company of Recruiting, Recruiting Hell, Westport Studios, I use the following phrase to open up to some folks in my network as I actually use the ARC process here for my Magnificent Seven. I'm going to use a few fill-in-the-blanks here, so try to keep up with me a little bit. And as I, as I read this uh, verbatim to you, and I'm going to have a couple of things that are going to be, you know, insert reason here, things like that. So I would go to somebody and I would write this little note in their LinkedIn chat box. And I would say, Bill, I hope everything's going well. I was reaching out to ask for a bit of help. You came to the top of my list because reason, meaningful reason, by the way, recently my position was eliminated and I'm looking for my next opportunity. Would you be willing to keep your ear to the ground at whatever company Bill works at or any other organization that you're working with for any opportunities that might fit my skill set? I'd greatly appreciate it. I hope everything's going great for you. And thanks again in advance. Let's break that down for a moment. You're making an ask of them after you've given them a compelling reason as to why you came to them. And that's the most important thing you need to do. You need to create a compelling reason for them to help you out. And it's important that you use the word because. And here's why. There have been some studies done on the word because. And the most uh, famous one of these that sticks with me is a group of people were asked to make copies. And there was a line at the photocopier 
the person at the back of the photocopier line was told to get to the front of the photocopier line by giving a reason and asking to be at the front. And they found out that in this experiment, that when people used the word because and provided any reason whatsoever, even if it was a completely garbage reason, people were apt to let them pass and get in front of them to the point where at one point in the experiment, the person who was trying to get to the front of the line asked the person in front of them, I need to get to the copy machine because I need to make copies and was let right on by to go make the copies again, because is a powerful word. And I believe it was 94 and 96% of the time in that experiment that people gave a because reason they got what they needed. So again, Making that ask of them is really, really important. And giving them that because kind of anchor is what you're going to be needing to do. So you're making that ask of them as to why you've come to them. You said, hey, Bill, this is why I think you're able to help me. And it better be a genuine reason. And there better be something of a compliment in there too. So you're building this person up a little bit to, to be receptive to helping. And then you're making a small ask. It's not a big ask. You're simply letting them know that you need work and that if they hear something's available, that they let you know. And you're not asking for recommendations or letters or any crazy stuff like this. Initially, you're just saying, if you hear of an opportunity, can you tell me about it? Now, you may have a follow-up question or two asked of you by your connection. And the most common one I've found is, you know, what is your skill set? What should I be listening for? And you might choose to incorporate that into your initial ask or you can leave it as part of a further conversation that you have back and forth. Either way is fine. This works really good with close connections, and that's likely what your first few Magnificent Sevens will be. Now, for those that are slightly more distant, the tried-and-true LinkedIn interaction formula comes into play. Find their posts. Post on their posts. And make sure that it's good. Make sure that this is insightful posting. 90 or 90% 90 or better of the time, you really have to put some effort in these posts and yes, there are times where one to two word posts, you know, congratulations, that's a great thing, are are warranted, but but you need to add value to a conversation on LinkedIn. That's the secret. And I've grown my own personal LinkedIn brand by over 400% in the past four months as a result of adding value to conversation. So once you've done this for a period of time, and again, it's been about four or five months for me, I've seen a massive uptick in this. You're going to begin to build that relationship up further so that you can make the ask of these people who you're not so familiar with that we just talked about with the people that you're really familiar with. Now, once you've made the ask of your Magnificent Seven, it's time to identify the next seven best candidates for the ARC strategy and repeat this over and over again until you've contacted between 15 and 25% of your total connections on LinkedIn. And keep in mind that your individual network may be vastly different than mine or anyone else's. The idea here is to use the Pareto principle to help narrow down who you're talking to to be the 20% of your network that's most likely to get you some help. And the trick is to do this without being overbearing or sounding fake or sounding desperate. People can smell desperation and fakeness a mile away. So the one thing I'm going to caution you about with this, this magnificent seven thing, is some of you might say, you know what, Rob, I can make this easier. I can make this go fast. I don't have to spend the time on this. I can copy paste all these things. Don't. Just don't. Please do not do this. These need to be hand tailored. 
there's enough spammy garbage on LinkedIn for sales and things like that on, on that LinkedIn platform. People have a nose for this stuff. And if it smells like sales, it generally turns people off. You need to approach them as a human, vulnerable and humble and willing to take the time to customize a message that is for them. This isn't a mass production process. It's artisan, which is why you're doing only seven of these at a time. Now, using the ARC process and the concept of a Magnificent Seven has one last little gift to give. And that's the feeling of appreciation. When my mom showed the original Magnificent Seven paper to the men I looked up to, the relational investment that I had made with them via that paper paid massive dividends. I mean, I had them hugging me and, and almost crying in some cases. And to this day, I look at those seven men and their impact on who I am. And even though roughly half of them have unfortunately passed on, who they made me is, is eternal. And that's a very important thing. So your business, Magnificent Seven, can be the same way. You might have people who left that lasting impact on you from work too. So in your connections with people, especially in these first seven to 14 requests, let them know that they're, the, they're at the top of the list. Let them know that they're at the top of the list of people who you trust to help you. And don't tell them what number. Don't tell them what number, number five or number 12 or whatever it might be. But let them know they're at the top. Some words as simple as, you know, Bill, I really appreciate you being willing to keep an eye out for opportunities for me. I value our relationship. I enjoyed working for you at, you know, when I was with ABC Company. And you were one of the first people I really knew I could count on to help me with this problem. Thanks so much. It's that genuineness. It's that not fakeness that is going to help you get a job. So to wrap this concept up, when you invest in people, they tend to invest back in you. And it's never too late to start your job hunt or to be humble or to ask for help. So using daily engagement on LinkedIn, identifying those people in your network who have a high chance of being able to help you and being your authentic, vulnerable self is what's going to have people looking to bring opportunities your way when you approach them. To close out episode 23, give the Magnificent Seven and the ARC method a shot. I think it'll pay some pretty good dividends for you. As a reminder, folks, for more recruiting help and other great information that revolves around this show, head on over to recruiting-hell.com and subscribe to Recruiting Hell Overtime. It's our free weekly newsletter, and it's full of extra stuff that doesn't fit in this show. You can also find our blog, show notes, links to both our Tee Public store, by the way. We've got these now, these awesome t-shirts. And of course, our Patreon page, if you want to help support this show and help support other people in their job hunt. Also, if you've actually escaped recruiting hell, we want to know about it. Drop us a line through recruiting-hell.com's contact form or the show's email inbox at the recruiting hell podcast at gmail.com to share your story. And you know what? We might even get you on the show. It'd be a lot of fun. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios here in beautiful Port Washington, Wisconsin, and it's a resident show of Podcast Town. And if you're looking for more great shows or the guests that appear here on Recruiting Hell, check out RecruitingHell.com for our list of other wonderful content creators, guests, and companies that I call friends. Reward them with a listen. Check out their websites. They're all great people. And hey, if you haven't subscribed, followed, or shared this show, I'd greatly appreciate it if you did. Or you know what? 
you know what? Could I ask you to rate this show? That would be amazing. If you could rate this show, there are millions of people the world over that could benefit from learning more about how to power up their job hunt. Helping to share this program with them is one of the finest things you can do to help get your friends and neighbors back to work. Last but not least, a big thank you to Purple Planet Music for our themes, and of course you, the listener, for tuning in. I'm Rob Conlon, and until we meet again, please keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace.